book of Samuel um, so far this year, and I, for one, have been really enjoying it. Um, we've seen how Samuel, from his conception, has been blessed by God, promised to God by his mother Hannah, marked out for God's service from a very young age, um, and he followed God's ways throughout his life and has been a really faithful servant. In chapter 8 last week, um, we heard how the people asked Samuel for a king to lead them, wanting to be like every other nation. They believed that appointing a king would enable them to be better equipped to fight and win against the, uh, against the Philistines, having completely forgotten that God had done exactly that for them in their lifetime. The Israelites pointed out to Samuel that he was getting on a bit and that his sons that he had appointed to lead over them hadn't really been following the ways that Samuel had, God's ways. And Samuel was naturally hurt by this, although as God points out to him, Samuel, it's not you they've rejected, it's me. And this week we fast forward to chapter 12, um, and what we really have here is Samuel's farewell speech. Um, It marks the transition from the judges that have gone before to the kings that will follow, starting with Saul. Uh, The sort of changing of the guard, so to speak, with with Samuel, sort of the judge prophet in the middle. Looking at verses 1 to 5, we see how Samuel not only started his journey with God well, but also finished it well which is perhaps not to be said of many long-standing leaders, um, past or present, in in my view. Um, And it's often said that the Christian journey is a marathon, or perhaps in my case, a cross-country race, um, and not a sprint. And perhaps the finish is more important than the start. Paul says to Timothy in 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. And Samuel too has paced himself and finished well. The rest of the chapter really goes on to show us through Samuel's words and his behavior, how we should run our spiritual race with God, ensuring that we too keep on running and finish the race well. Firstly, maintain a good relationship with God and man. Be accountable, listen, be open to criticism. Samuel, in this instance, makes himself accountable to all Israel and asks them to pass judgment on him. Whose ox have I taken? Whose donkey have I taken? Whom have I cheated? Whom have I oppressed? He says if he's done anything wrong, he will make it right. Question number one for us. Are we accountable to the people in our lives? Are we open to their correction? Nicola mentioned the other week that it's a really good idea to have a Christian friend or mentor who can pull you up on things if you start to travel perhaps down the wrong path. And in some companies these days, um, they have a 360-degree appraisal system where it's not only your annual appraisal is not only conducted by your boss, but your peers and your subordinates have a say as well. And that might be very scary for some, but perhaps not as scary as being accountable before a nation as Samuel was. Samuel's second ingredient for running a good race is give testimony to God's goodness. 
In verses 6 to 11, Samuel describes to the Israelites exactly what God has done for them, bringing them out of Egypt and captivity, rescuing them from their enemies. I wonder if we're so quick to tell God, to tell everyone rather, of God's goodness to us or to those in the Bible, or do we find it a bit embarrassing and awkward? I admit it's not something that flows from me easily and every day. However, I do do a little bit more now than I used to. Um, I've always prayed about my work. And um, just recently, I've started telling the team at a new company where I'm working that I pray daily about work, whether that's about difficult meetings, for guidance, for wisdom. And that way, when things go well, I can give God the glory. And business did go well last year. Thank you, Lord. And they've now started telling me what they want me to add to my prayers for the business. And my real hope and prayer is that one day they will be praying for that themselves, step by step. The third lesson Samuel gives us is to urge people to follow God. From verse 12 onwards, Samuel shows the Israelites how they have fallen short and calls them to repent, to fear the Lord, to obey the Lord and his commands. He tells them that they were wrong to ask for a king, but all is not lost. If they and their king follow all God's ways, it will be good. However, in verse 15, he warns them, But if you do not obey the Lord, if you rebel against his commands, his hand will be against you as it was against your ancestors. Basically, the message is you reap what you sow. And we get exactly the same message in Galatians 6. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit, from that spirit will reap eternal life. The message in both Old and New Testament is very clear. And then just in case the people of Israel still hadn't got it, Samuel calls on God to send thunder and rain during the dry season so they know that it really is a sign from heaven. At that moment, there was no doubt in their minds. The people stood in awe of Samuel and God and realized the error in their ways of asking for a king when God was and is their true king. Luckily for us, the Bible is full of examples of individuals and nations who have fallen short and disobeyed God. We all do it. However, through repentance, a route back to God is found. In verse 20, Samuel says, Do not be afraid. You have done all this evil, yet do not turn away from the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart. In other words, you've taken one step away from God. Make sure it doesn't become two. In verse 21, he then goes on to warn them not to turn to useless idols because they won't help them at all. And we had an interesting discussion in our home group the other week about idols and thinking about what our own personal idols were. And 
I reflected on this afterwards and thinking about the best way to identify our own personal idols. And I think it can be simplified into where do we spend our time and where do we spend our money? Where do we spend our time and where do we spend our money? We may not all have a graven, I hope nobody actually has a graven image of Baal or Dagon in the sitting room, but I do challenge you to do the idle audit in your lives. Look at where you're spending time and money over a week, a month, a year, and ask yourself if there isn't a wardrobe god, a social media god, a car god, a Netflix god, an iPhone god, an email god, lurking around somewhere, diverting too much of your time and your money from the one true God and King. Fourthly, and finally, never stop praying for people. Recognizing their sinfulness, the people of Israel said to Samuel in verse 19, pray to the Lord your God for your servants so that we will not die for we have added to our other sins the evil of asking for a king. And Samuel's response, of course I will, for if I didn't, it would be a sin against God. God delights in our prayers. It's a great way of drawing near to him, and it strengthens our relationship with him. We're told so many times in the Bible to lift our prayers to our Heavenly Father. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And Paul tells us in Thessalonians to pray without ceasing. The message is clear. We need to be praying. It's a sin not to. I don't know about you, but... For me, if somebody asks to pray, me to pray for them, I think it's a real privilege. Um, they're entrusting me to talk to God on their behalf. However, I've reached this place after many years, and I can remember feeling deeply embarrassed when I was always the only one at our home group who didn't pray out loud for people. And even when I started doing it, my words just sounded so stilted. The good news is that it really doesn't matter. God wants us to talk to him. He wants to answer our prayers. And he isn't overly fussed about elegant and eloquent language. I don't think I've ever offered to pray for someone or their friend or a family member and it being turned down. To my great joy, I've had people at work asking me to pray for them or someone in their family. And while I've forgotten so much of what went on in those jobs, I remember each one of those moments and I treasure them. What does your prayer life look like at the moment? A couple of arrows sent up in haste every now and again? Or do you set aside quiet time each day to talk to your Father in heaven? Guess which way Samuel spoke to God. Guess which way builds up a stronger relationship with him. Until very recently, I used to have a 30-minute commute, driving commute, to one of my jobs, and I absolutely loved it. 
I would start out the journey with a few God songs, then I would pray and still have time to catch the news. My commute at the moment is on the tube. Too many distractions, and I also like to pray out loud. Bit awkward. So I had to find another way, and I found it really difficult to get into a new routine. So I took heed of what Nicola was telling us a couple of months back, about how she has a special place where she goes to pray. Now I retreat into this, our sitting room, to the middle seat of the big sofa. I can see it in my mind's eye now. And that is my special place. And you may laugh, but because of my change of schedule, when I'm writing a daily to-do list, I now write prayer time, or PT, on that list. It goes on there just to remind me to get me into the habit. I know it isn't always easy to find time, but maybe that idle audit will help. As we draw to a close, we can see from Samuel's farewell speech that he was such a good leader, a faithful man of God. And what's more, he gives us the roadmap to go and do likewise. He's accountable to the people of God, maintaining a good relationship with both. Who will you be accountable to this week? He gives testimony to God's goodness in the past. Who will you tell about God's goodness this week? He urged the people to follow God and him only. Repent of your sins, obey God, be careful who you worship. I challenge you to do an idle audit this week and see if you're giving God the time he deserves. And he never stopped praying. If you don't already, get into the habit of talking and listening to your Heavenly Father each and every day. That way we can all finish this marathon not only well, but in better shape than when we first started the race. Amen.